And it's a beautiful day. Have a beautiful day. GM, GM. On this beautiful day. Good morning, Miss Nephi. With Baroko Sepp and Mando. Got the Alpha on Web3. And it's all on Web3. It's a beautiful day. Have a beautiful day, GMGM, Rock Radio. Pew, 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 yo, 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 what up, what up, what up? Good morning, good morning, GM, GM. Thursday, no, 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 not Thursday. Yeah, no, yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday, <laughs> September 14th, 2022. Look at that. It's a beautiful day to have a beautiful day. The sun is shining here, actually. For real, it's literally hitting me in the face. Pretty hard, actually. It feels great. Uh, in Montreal, Canada, I'm my co-host, Osef, Mando, and what's up, Golden, GM fam, Merge Day. Let's fucking go! GM, happy Merge. Happy Merge. <laughs> Ovi sounds so excited right now about the Merge. He's like, yeah. <laughs> Happy merge. <laughs> Most exciting day of my life. <laughs> Mando, what's up? What's up, man? What a historic day. It is a historic day. You know, it's like it's like it's being you... a news a newsreader on like one of those when some big news happens, you can be like, that's where I was. That's where I was when the merge happened. Exactly. Exactly. We're like the you know, new you know when the broadcasters were like, you know when um when um when the Euro became you know official in france it was so official i was talking about it. as of today the euro is official all that shit well for us we're going to proof of work from proof of work to proof of stake today and it's a big day for ethereum and so <laughs> an important one uh thankfully we had that show back then with uh with uh fubar two days ago uh explaining everything merge wise so if you haven't listened yet you should definitely definitely give it a listen um as uh, we went through everything uh, merge related, so it was uh, it was actually a really good show, solid. I loved it, um, and so I'll try and pin a top here today, as usual. Uh, daily, <clears throat> sorry, where's the thing? I gotta pin that stuff. Uh, daily NFT macro uh, NFT summary merge day. What happens to the market? I can't wait to hear uh, Ovi Mando what you guys think right now. As it happened in like what fifteen ish hours, fourteen something. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I think it's at twelve thirty Eastern Standard Time tonight. Um, we also saw Duquan. Uh, Duquan's going to prison, and the MoMA is dumping seventy million dollars worth of digi- physical art to get into digital art. You'll have to see it. So that meme going to end up at the MoMA, which is already coming uh, to fruition so quick. It's incredible. Love to see it. Definitely want to talk about that. A quick conversation question about you know should marketplaces enforce. Uh, royalties. Uh, it is following uh, the Magic Eden and MetaShield uh, announcement uh, that you know uh, if you know some collections are, are going to be able to um, you know try and force the royalties in many ways. For example, they can break your NFT, change metadata, make it blurry, and all that stuff. So um, some quick thoughts on that. The royalties conversation seems to be never uh, ending, everlasting uh, in the space, and so you know how it is. As usual, if you want to raise your hand, come chat. You can. If not, bottom right, we have a live feed, <clears throat> live chat uh, if you wish to participate. So without further ado, I really want to hear about the market today because, damn, 
it's all over the place, Ovi. I am hearing all sorts of things, all sorts of tweets. I'm getting lost on Twitter myself. But first... <laughs> Daily Market Report. Brought to you by Rub Radio. Yeah, hey guys. I think, obviously, we had a really big move yesterday. I think that was, like, one of the biggest down days in equities this year and maybe even since COVID. Um, I was actually looking at the charts, like, NASDAQ and both both NASDAQ and S&P 500. They're actually still, like, basically where it was at the beginning of September, maybe even slightly above that. So all that really happened is, like, the first two weeks of September, we saw this big rally in stocks. And then we gave it all back up in one day. So on the month, we're actually pretty much unchanged. We haven't really moved that much from the month. Um, obviously, that sell-off yesterday was because of the inflation number. This morning, everything looks like it's mostly unchanged. Interest rates are still very high. They've actually edged even higher. We're at the highest levels on two-year treasuries, for example, now since um, before the financial crisis. So since 2008. Um, I think... Um, I'm slightly somewhat surprised at how well crypto has performed in the last 24 hours. Like Bitcoin is still above 20K, ETH is still around 1600. Even altcoins are actually holding up okay. I would have expected a bigger down move. I mean, Bitcoin was 18K only just a few days ago. So I would have expected it to go back down to that level. But everything seems to be holding up crypto wise. I don't know if that's merge related. Um, I'm not really sure what to expect tomorrow. Like, I feel like. Most people I speak to are saying it's a buy the rumor, sell the news thing. That makes me think maybe it won't be. But I mean, I'm only speaking to a small sample size of people. So I think the, the main thing is like no one knows. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if ETH moved up like 25% in the few days after the merger. I wouldn't be surprised if it moved down 25%. Like, no one really knows what's going to happen. And we just have to wait and see. But it is, you know, it's one of the biggest, as Fubar said the other day, it's one of the biggest um, events for blockchain um, since Taproot. So, um, We'll, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But yeah, elsewhere, like macro-wise and tr- traditional markets-wise, we're pretty much unchanged across the board with interest rates just going a little bit higher. And crypto is, is holding up quite well. It's actually off the lows of yesterday. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's kind of it. Wow, yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah, I know what you mean uh, when you say it's all over the place. But um, Mando, any thoughts here? No, I just I just want to hold my hands up and say I was completely wrong. I thought this that dip yesterday would get bought um, ended up being one of the worst days in equity market history over the last ten year ten years. So um, yeah, we were completely wrong about that. Um, <laughs> it was pretty horrific out there. Um, I don't but... I don't think we're wrong. I, I still think it gets bought. It just doesn't happen in the same day, you know. Like it, it will. I mean, it's a little days. early to capitulate and say that yeah, you're wrong. Yeah. What the throw, fuck with that? Don't, don't throw the what is wrong early, with man? you? <laughs> The Nasdaq was down five and a half percent yesterday. <laughs> yeah, fuck the Nasdaq. Okay. But we said it. We said it when it was already down like four percent. Yeah, like, it was already getting wrecked. Like yeah. Obi started the show saying today is fucking terrible. Like, yeah. Let's see. Let's see. We can, you, still cl- we can still claim victory from the jaws of defeat. Uh, uh, today we done, done yourself some injustice there. Oh yeah. man, right, come on, man. To, let's wait to see. We're gonna have some. We're gonna have to do some confidence building uh, work and in, in behind the scenes together. Uh, there's no way you're capitulating in 4K as Chill and Vin likes to say on his show in front of all these people on the record saying, I'm sorry, your football was wrong yesterday. No, fuck that. You were wrong. So, so the one thing that's happened today, 
<laughs> wait to see. Wait to see. I'm still bullish. I mean, I bought fucking. I bought the dip, and it dip, it's the dippity dip of the dip right now. Dippity um, dip of the dip. Yeah, <laughs> I love that term. <laughs> the I think there was something today where produced. You know, like there's so there's two two ways you can look at inflation. There's consumer prices, which is the CPI, which came out um, two days ago, and then yes, today you have producer prices or wholesale prices, which came out. Wholesale prices actually dipped this month. Um, which is normally a good sign because that's normally the, of some of the main uh, inputs into obviously creating goods. Um, so what that came out, I think, an hour before the U.S. equity market opened and things popped a little bit. But that definitely was a slightly better trend. Also, U.K. inflation, which is under some a lot of the same sort of trends as U.S. inflation, uh, came in slightly lower than expectations. So. There is some sign that inflation is coming down. It's just maybe not coming down as fast as people were hoping it, it would come down. Um, so it is going to have to be another wait and see if that's going to be the, the bull narrative. So, um, but at least at least it didn't get worse today. There are some indications that that inflation um, is coming down by other metrics. Damn. So, Obi, not only did Bismando, I guess, uh, now that we're going to run with that wrong yesterday, he also forced my hand and made me buy a lot of crypto um behind the scenes during a call and so um i just wanted to put that on the record here while we're at I, it i have no issue telling you to buy crypto <laughs> okay. 1600 yeah. i am not responsible to your, for your <laughs> I, I called mando i called mando and i'm like yo i need some financial advice He's like okay let's go and then <laughs> no but I feel like my one piece of financial advice is always the same at the moment. Oh, I think you should buy some Matic. Yeah, <laughs> that's, the, that's the only thing I ever, I ever tell people to do. That's so funny. Well, I finally did. So we'll see how that ages. Uh, I have a feeling that over a very long period of time, a long, like my time range, I'll, I'll be perfectly fine. Uh, obviously, uh, it's not financial advice, but it was it was funny. I, I was like, finally. I'm actually really curious to see what's going to happen to Ethereum today. What do you guys think? I mean, the merge is coming very soon. Um, I'm very surprised by how little, like, I know people are talking about it a lot, but like, it seems like the daily drama on Twitter gets more attention than, 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 than the actual merge right now, which is arguably one of the most important events in crypto history as Fubar, you know, very well said last time I explained it. Uh, I'm actually very surprised. I mean, you know, I like, I'm seeing a little more about it now. Maybe they're, they're waiting to get closer to it, but not a lot of chatter. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I woke up excited. Like, and I'm not OG crypto, but I was like, hey, this is like exciting. Like, you know, not Christmas morning type of excited, but like, I was like, okay, it's pretty cool. Like, we're about to witness, you know, something that's going to go down in history of technology, right? If we're long Ethereum, right? In 20, 30 years, 40 years, like, today is the day you're going to talk about, like, forever, given that all this happens and works out well, right? Like, what do you guys think about this? Like, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty hyped about it. It's weird with technology because it's very... Like if you just take a step back to get like tied to certain technology, like 10 years ago, ETH didn't even exist. So it's weird to think about like seminal moments in a technology, which you kind of hope will be around in the next 40, 50 years. But it's just you could, it's impossible to say. But this is this is a pretty big moment if you do see ETH as the, the rails of the new Internet, let's say. Um, because, yeah, this does this does massively change how how it will be. I put some loose details. I know. You should definitely listen to the, the the show we did with Fubar the other day because I thought it was incredibly good. I could barely keep up, but hopefully um, a lot of people could. Uh, and, <laughs> but to put it into something, <laughs> he's so fucking smart. 
He's just unbelievably smart. Like you kind of get every third sentence, I would say, that comes out of his comes out of his mouth. Um, but it will massively change the the um, dynamics of ETH over a long period. So about right now, I think 600 million of ETH is given to miners at the moment. Um, I think it's even more given. Some is given to uh, in terms of emissions. It's even higher because, as he said, there is already a proof of um, proof of stake chain, the beacon chain, which is currently being rewarded for um, people in the staking pools. So there's a high emission of ETH right now. Um, that's 600 million of sell pressure from the miners will go. Um, now, that, that sounds big, but ETH trades somewhere between 15 to 25 billion a day. So that gives you some concept that it's, it's versus volumes, it's probably around like 1% um, of volumes, uh, which are sell pressure will go. Now, there's a lot of debate about crypto volumes in general. There's a lot of high frequency trading, uh, which goes on in crypto, which means that volume statistics are incredibly high, it seems like, um, versus the uh, versus the market cap. Um, so it's very difficult to work out like the true or like, let's say, net volumes of, of crypto at times. But that um, 600 million of sell pressure will go every single month. That is small versus uh, volumes, but it's it's kind of difficult to tell um, what that's going to be worth actual uh, trading activity rather than like high frequency trading activity. Um, and then emissions are going to come down by 90%. Um, emissions are come back down by 90%. And we, al- we already have this burn mechanism, um, which came through, when was that? Uh, about nine months ago. Um, maybe longer actually, um, and that is currently burning Ethereum. When when you reduce the emissions and you have the burn, burning mechanism, um, you could end up with a deflationary or very mildly inflationary. Like we're talking naught to one half percent inflationary, or maybe like negative two percent. It really depends on, like you said, on the actual gas prices. Now gas prices are low right now, so you're probably going to end up with it. M- Right now, it could be mildly inflationary, but very, very small compared to what it is right now. Um, so it really does change the dynamics. Now, you might not feel this on a daily basis. So like to get really built up about that concept of that, that changing dynamics is, is a little bit difficult from, let's say, today until Friday. You're not really going to feel it. But over the course of a year, when you're eliminating 7 billion, over 7 billion worth of sell pressure, that can start to be quite a big deal. And at the same time, um, your supply is coming down from, I think, current ETH emissions are something like 5% um, or maybe just shy of that, like 4%. If that goes down to like 0% or maybe even negative, then th- those are quite big, but they're big over a longer term time frame. So it's important for people to realize the merge isn't really going to, those effects aren't really going to have a big deal, maybe over like a 48 hour, but over a you know 12 month period, you will start to feel them. And, um, you know, people say, you know, this, this, this does also change the nature of, of ETH. Like if, if, if Bitcoin has always uh, been an inflation hedge because it has a fixed supply and obviously we're like careering towards that, um, but that protects it against inflation. Uh, it will always only be, I think, was it, I forget the exact size of uh, Bitcoins that will finally be in circulation, but there's a fixed supply. If ETH actually starts to have a decreasing supply um, over the medium term or a very, very small increasing, so let's say between 0 and 1%, then that makes it have much of the same dynamics that people have owned Bitcoin in the past as like an inflation hedge, like digital gold 
could ETH become the new digital gold because it's going to have those same properties which people have attributed to Bitcoin being considered uh, digital gold and the fact that it's fixed supply. Um, uh, if ETH goes actually decreasing supply, arguably it could be it could be viewed as um, a better inflation hedge than even Bitcoin. And that's, I don't know if you've seen like over the last 12 months, there's this kind of ultrasound money because people have talked about the fact that Bitcoin is an inflation hedge. I think um, th this is the idea of that it's ultrasound would be the concept that it's deflationary uh, for Ethereum. All of this is really exciting. I don't know about you guys, uh, but Mando is uh, is exciting me even more. Uh, <laughs> I just I just think it's really dope. Like everything's gonna happen to. So thank you for breaking it down for everyone. I think um, it's gonna it's gonna help a lot. Um, what do you guys think? Right? What are your what's up? Fifty five eleven GM. GM. I was gonna say like once ETH goes deflationary, like it's gonna be interesting to see what happens to NFTs. They're like a leveraged bet on ETH. So as ETH becomes more expensive and less of it's out there, each NFT can't be worth as much as it is, you know, now. Like the, the price of those NFTs in in terms of ETH has to go down as ETH becomes deflationary. Well, Dude. it depends. It really depends on the absolute price. Like deflationary doesn't necessarily mean higher price of ETH. It maybe does over a longer time time period. This is what I was trying to get. I, like, I mean, yeah, I think that's ten year. Time. I think it definitely does yeah. as time goes on. If if adoption grows, the price of ETH has to go up as it becomes deflationary. And as the price goes up, the things that are valued in ETH have to come down in the price of ETH. So, so I think that's a, it's a very fair point. Uh, and in the past, you've actually seen. So in 2021, you didn't actually see that much correlation between the price of ETH. And the price of NFTs, like, um, and that might be because NFTs were on their own, you know, plane of like weren't correlated to anything. They were just going up and up and up and up and up. So you saw very little correlation. This this year, weirdly, you've seen positive correlation from about March. So the price of NFTs seems to actually go up um, when, or at least it was from period from March till July. That that correlation has broken down slightly over the last month, but. There's no fixed correlation between the price of ETH and the price of NFTs. It seems like so. I think that's just because we're we're you know we're so early right now. Like I think it's still too. Yeah, so maybe on a longer term time period, you do see a negative correlation between the two of them. But for now, we haven't, we haven't actually seen that. We've actually seen arguably a positive correlation. Like what happened in May, ETH dumped and all your NFTs dumped, um, and uh, in July. And so of August, you actually saw positive correlation. Uh, so that, only mild, but it was positive. So it's just difficult to work out. Like I do agree that you maybe have a long, long time horizon. You see, start to see some negative correlation between NFT prices and the price of ETH. But um, I think it's going to wildly change. For yeah, me, that's really what I'm talking to about yeah. is the long, long term. But yeah, in the short term, they can both pump at the same time for sure. So are we excited about our historical proof of work NFTs or what? Is that going to be the narrative? Uh, Mando is going to have proof of work apes that he's going to be able to to to, to flip to people because they're historical uh, monkeys, and uh, from the year of twenty twenty one, they changed the game. What do you think about that? I'm going to have another version of my punk. Let's fucking go. <laughs> I I think what Fubar said there was was pretty true. Like having done a bit more research into like the so it's the the people that are pushing this concept are um, the miners. 
they're mainly based in China. And for now, they don't seem particularly well organized about this fork being created. So there's like big, big question marks over the actual whether this this proof of work fork is going to happen and whether it's going to be done well. Um, so that's the, the first thing to, to, to question. The second thing is most of the major dApps on ETH right now are they're not really supportive of um, of this proof of work chain. And some of them have publicly said it, but for example, they, they don't really want to have this concept where like the major dApps on, on ETH are on the ETH proof of work. They don't want this confusion to happen. It's not good for crypto in many ways. Um, and most of the major exchanges have said they would, they won't support, or at least they'll only, they said that they would support only the proof of um, stake movement. They haven't said anything about proof of work, but it's not really in Coinbase's interest or Binance's interest to like, try and create a supportive environment for ETH proof of work because there's just going to be a lot of confusion and it's not going to be great i don't think from from like a retail angle if if the these narratives start to get pushed so i don't know how many decentralized that like how many dApps are going to be supported on ETH proof of work actively i think some of them are like self-governing so i think there's there's talk that like uniswap v2 i think is going to be available would be available on ETH. um proof of work but um but maybe not v3 um and there's a couple of others which that which might work um but it's very difficult like why would you build why as a developer would you build on the eth proof of work chain um you'd have to, like you'd have to have massive incentives to do that and that would only really be for the for the miners so it's just weird like why there would be any real building on that chain going forward um so it's it, like OpenSea. Will that work on on ETH proof of work? Probably not. Um, at least I, I don't it's see probably why. Gonna be some like proof of work marketplace type of thing. Look, looks <laughs> rare. Like me and Obi were discussing it yesterday. We were like, oh, well, who might? Like you might see someone like one of these alternate um, marketplaces be like, yeah, we're going to set up. We're going to set up a like a a marketplace on on proof of work and you might see some volumes go through it. Like there might be some incentives to do that, but I still think it's going to be really difficult to monetize. Um, and it's not just a, like if you, it's much cleaner to just own the ETH, like then you can sell the ETH proof of work. And I, I think it will probably, I think it ETH proof of work will probably come in somewhere between like one to 5 billion uh, market cap. And the current market cap of ETH is something like 250 billion, right? So it's it's like a one to two percent valuation versus the current ETH um, market cap. So I don't think it's going to be massive. I don't think it's going to be, yeah. And NFT liquidity is going to be very difficult to realize. So I think it's we're, definitely all, gonna we're, be all, right. we're all smoking hopium if we think that we're going to like do really well from this, basically. I mean, it's going to, uh, listen, I know you're trying to be careful. You want to come and apologize another day in a row and capitulate in front of our thousands of listeners. Uh, and, and I get it. But that doesn't mean you have to be such a bear. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. But it's, um, it's just exciting. Uh, and so we'll see what happens. Definitely, like, in terms of, like, what we're going to see come, come forward. Like, just be careful. Like, I think, like, FUBAR also, well, we asked him all the right questions, in my opinion. The other day, we asked him a lot of questions. But... Uh, it's uh, on the security level, like, of course, like, be careful, you know, like, bad actors will come out of the woodwork and people, will, you know, try and take advantage of you. And during this time, especially if 
for a lot of people still for me because I still kind of simulate everything FUBAR tells us and I've been trying to listen and learn and read as much as I can as well and educate myself but it's still very complicated right it's uh, it's technological advancement it's not simple right uh, and so uh, it's uh, it's uh, definitely be careful and on the lookout I think uh, is uh, is something to um, you know don't don't sign just everything be careful and uh, and maybe just like step away you know doing the whole merge uh, time and whatnot like you don't you know maybe just that's that's where the touch grass being maybe comes into play and just wait a little bit uh before you go out there and uh, click left and right on things uh on the nft side of things i mean mando what are you what are you uh what are you seeing what are you seeing what are you feeling how are you feeling about our nfts going into the merge and whatnot very little very little going on i've seen yeah you've seen them actually listings for some of the punks actually have, have have risen i think uh they're up to like 67 ish i think punks OTC. yeah 68 108k yeah punks otc did a bit of a sweep there along with a couple of other people um and remember what fubar said is that like if you have your if you have your nfts listed there mm-hmm. might be a way that somebody could buy them after the merge on the proof of work chain so i don't know if that's affected it but i've seen listings come down on a bunch of different stuff that's that might be partly to do with the drop in eth but like some of the top collections in terms of price, yeah. you've seen listings come down. Um, so, uh, yeah. Other than that, it's been a, it was a very quiet day yesterday. Some some um, relatively large one of one sales on super rare. Um, let's say twenty to forty ETH. Nice. But, uh, in uh, on uh, most other stuff, it was it was relatively low volume and, and low. Um, after the doodle, like we already spoke about what happens with doodles. Doodles are now back to seven and a half, so it was kind of like a brief. That was and a, then, dude. That was crazy. This space is fucking crazy, man. It's so funny the way the market reacts sometimes. Like how many doodles were like fifty, sixty? No, and, yeah, huge amount of doodles sold. It was um, a m- yeah, was nearly it? like yeah. a thousand ETH. I think it was like eight hundred ETH, maybe. So it was a, it was a it was a very large amount. Um, you've seen still seen like the majority of the volume. It's still this like Renga, which is down to like 0.5 ish, yeah. which has been decent. Um, still good to see. Um, and then some light sales like across other deeds and, and mutants overnight. Yeah. There is there's increasing talk about the staking mechanism um, when it's going to be um, brought out. There's some questions like what what Ovi was talking about yesterday is, is like when there's going to be this unlock, obviously, of like. Um, is it Saturday? Uh, I think there's a range of different unlocks, but the the largest ones are going to be 12 months, I think, from the, the actual sale. But there are some which have come out six months after the initial sale. And I think the initial sale was in May, right? So that would be linked to... What's that, the 5th? So that would be sometime in November. But there's some talk about how they won't bring out a staking mechanism until the unlock happens, because that will create some demand at the same time that there is some supply um which is traditionally what you often see like staking mechanisms are often tied to unlocks of tokens we've seen that with a bunch of other tokens in the past so they they, they might be come at the same time and there's been a slight delay obviously like already when they were talking about doing this staking mechanism i don't know if you remember but there were complaints about how long it was going to take because everyone's like why is this taking so long but um there's been delays on that it looks like well there's going to be so there's some indication that um, maybe those two are tied together. Yeah. Um, 
we'll see what's up on the NFT side, I guess. We definitely need to... The merge is definitely going to affect like volumes in the next couple of days. So um, we'll see what happens there. I'm excited to see uh, all the NFTs that are going to come out in about 14 hours uh, that are going to be the first ever uh, post-merge NFTs. So we're going to have a, bunch, uh, a ton of that as well. Uh, and uh, I guess for the rest of it, we'll see. I mean, I'm not seeing too much uh, going on here either. Um, aside, like you said, from the art side. I'd love to see some more merge art. <laughs> I don't know. Did anyone do like a drop like with like different artists and like it's all merge related art or whatever? Like stuff like that would be kind of cool, no? Uh, I don't know if uh, if some people have some. If so, uh, and, and if you've seen it around, uh, you can definitely tag me. I'd love to. I'd love to see. Uh, I'd love to see some more of um, of that stuff uh, on the feed. Uh, besides that, um, you know what is the other thing I want to? <laughs> Sorry, I got lost for a second. Uh, the MoMA, the MoMA, Mando. It's pretty big. I mean, the whole like time, like you know, we've seen all the memes and the tweets and the six five nine and G money. Everyone, you know, we're gonna end up at the MoMA. The Squiggles gonna end up at the MoMA. This is gonna end up at the MoMA. Uh, it looks like it's happening. As uh, you know, the MoMA is selling, looking to sell seventy million dollars worth of digit, uh, physical art. Sorry, selling the physical art in order to acquire uh, digital art, so NFTs. I mean, wow, this is just honestly, this, this is pretty big. Like the whole narrative a year and a half ago around NFTs and whatnot was all you know the art and you know, super air boom. You guys were even early at collecting one of one art and whatnot. Like you know, you talk about it a lot. Like it's a huge event, in my opinion, when it comes to news. Yeah, look, I think it's massive. I think the actual, the the signal that it makes is huge. Um, the fact that they're getting into this is, is just like a massive, massive move. We've seen auction houses make this move, but they have a far more commercial reason potentially for, for making that move. Like um, as much as uh, Sotheby's and, and Christie's have, have been big in this space, like they're often quicker to, to take advantage because they're often, um, you know, they're incentivized just by the fees made from selling. But someone like MoMA acknowledging what's going on in this space and, and then making, you know, an int- very interesting, like to sell Picassos to, to then invest in digital art. I don't know if it's to build a platform for themselves or to actually invest in pieces themselves, but it would be really interesting. Like MoMA to buy Super Rare would be a very interesting Dude. move, I think. Uh, or will it be MoMA to actually buy the actual art itself hmm. it remains to be seen but um i mean yeah, it says think... on the wall street journal it says 70 million art at moma to be sold to extend museums digital reach then it says to extend museums masterpieces uh, from cbs founder william paley's museum trove are heading to sold as far as moma seeks to expand its online presence and possibly buy more digital art so Oh, okay, so maybe it's it's part of a budget to expand presence, and but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see actually. Um, but it definitely looks like it's for the fall, and they want to expand the museum's digital footprint. I'm reading this off the Wall Street Journal. It's actually it's really interesting, very exciting. It's awesome. It's awesome. I think hopefully we see, um, you know, moments uh, in Europe and in, and in the US. So um, it'll be interesting to see how how that, that how that's done. Personally, I think it would be great if they set up their own platform as well. But um, if it's just correct, like collecting and displaying art, then that's also going to be massive for this space. Yeah. What do you think, um, Avi? 
are we putting a, a red guy at the MoMA or what? Yeah, <laughs> one day, one day a red guy will be at the MoMA, and that's when your guy, you guys will know it's the real top. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... I like your Carnaby Street piece, by the way, because that's a part of London I like. Just yeah, you, that's, you can that's smell the shoom when you walk through the shoom. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, I think it's a, I think it's a big thing, you know, like. Given how much of a bear market it's been, I think people have just been less excited about it than they would have maybe a few months ago or last year. But it's a really big thing. Like once again, it legitimizes NFTs as a medium. It legitimizes crypto arts place in history and in culture. And you know, it's going to be it's going to be fantastic for like some of the OG artists or new artists or whoever you know makes it into that collection because it will also legitimize crypto artists as. Uh, as having their place in the traditional art world as well. So, um, you know, you can just see where things are going now. Like like MoMA, which is like one of the most prestigious museums out there for, for modern art. Um, if they have an NFT collection, then guess what? Like think about how many big traditional art collectors out there who may want to and start entering this industry. And I think that's something that hasn't happened yet. Like people have talked about it and, you know, um, I think as some of the Sotheby's auctions and Christie's auctions, like they've managed to get some people on board. But I still think like most people I meet and I've been meeting a lot of people in the in the art space in London, like most people I meet, there's a genuine like desire from traditional collectors to enter the space, but no one really knows where or, or how to start. And people just don't really trust like the crypto. People don't trust us. They don't trust the NFT collectors or the crypto guys. Like you can say, oh, yeah, like, you know, let's check out this X copy guy. Look at all these sales. And the first thing people will come back saying is like, oh, well, but like, um, you know, this could be like a wash sell or maybe it's not real. These people are anonymous, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas if you have MoMA self-curating a collection of art um, and if they're spending 70 million on it, so hopefully it will be a good range of artists, then it adds some legitimacy to it. And I think those people can no longer um, can no longer fight it or counter it. And I think it's like MoMA themselves spending 70 million on crypto art, if that's the case. We don't know if that's fully the case. Or, or expanding a... the branch, whether it's maybe a, Meaning, yeah. Whatever. It's still big. Yeah. But the the, the follow-on effects from that, like the people following them into that, other other galleries, other traditional collectors, I think, could be really huge. Could be really big. And, um, you know, I don't know if it necessarily means like individual pieces go a lot higher or bars go a lot higher. But I think it'd be really good for um crypto artists in the space because it, I think it will just mean like there's going to be more demand for a wider range of pieces. That's my guess. And look, some of the grails and some, you know, some stuff out there, they could they could go for much higher prices, of course. But, um, you know, think about it. They're spending 70 mil. If, if you want to buy some real true grails, they're probably costing you like five or six mils. That's like, what, like 10 pieces or something, 10 or 11 pieces. They're probably not going to do that. They're probably going to buy cheaper stuff, I would think. But, um, I mean, who knows? I'm just, we're all just guessing at this stage. Very I interesting. See, I could see a red yeah. guy there. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. Up, <laughs> What's up? Uh, great conversation. I love. Uh, I could. I love this concept of maybe them buying a super rare or a marketplace. Does MoMA sell? I know they've got you know trinkets and things like that, but do they have like a a for profit sale component to where they could use a marketplace? Anybody? I wouldn't know uh, the answer to that. But if they're an expert in the room on finance, yet? I, mean, I think the majority of the majority of trades that happen with big museums uh, are private. It's not like done by a platform, but um, I also don't think there's been that easier way. Like to build a platform like this 
like an art art um resale platform has never really been that easy there's been quite high barriers to entry so this this massively lowers that so it i do think they could easily like the fact that they could bring out something like that would be wouldn't really be that strange would it no you could buy you could buy from your phone if the piece that you're looking at which is really interesting but it's just like that's it's what's crazy like i'm reading the article guys is like they're selling like some fit you guys should see like the wall street journal article from the moma like it's it's pretty lit like they're they're actually selling like some picasso's renoir rodin uh there it's like i mean, the pablo picasso's 1919 cubist guitar on the table which once hung above the fireplace of mr paley's manhattan bedroom will be offered up for at least 20 million dollars on november 14th francis bacon triptych 35 mil like they it's some serious serious art uh, being sold by the MoMA in order to make room for digital art. Like, I don't know. This is freaking dope. If you had one pick, because I know you guys, you, you, you are you are quite the one-on-one connoisseurs out here, uh, Ovi and Mando. One piece that you think they would go for right away, given that some of this money would be to collect. Now, we're, we're, we're not sure, but I'm assuming so, because he says make room for digital art. Where, who do you think or what do you think the piece is? I think Fidenzis. I think Fiden- I think Fidenzis, like Oh wow, that's I, conviction yeah. right there. I don't, we don't own any Fidenzis, by the way. Yeah, we don't um, I think historical but... historical pieces at the start of generative art or at the start of AI. Like what? Art. I think Squiggles or um or some of the very early Ro- Robbie Barrett pieces. Autoglyph? Be... No? Not a... or if maybe, you're going maybe, Fidenzis, maybe as well. Like I think Autoglyph. those three I would go for. Um just because Robbie Barrett is the first like AI person's put ai art on that makes sense and then i think yeah autoglyphs is not a bad shout and uh maybe squiggles but what about a mutant ape (laughs) (laughs) almost no no maybe maybe they'd buy an ape just to show because it's you know it's big social social um significance i think they would buy punk over an ape respectfully i think they could buy both that too that too Never underestimate the power of Boarding Yacht Club and Gary Siri, bro. Never. Don't fade. Got, uh, I've done the math. I've done the math. It's 43,750 ETH. You can look at the pen. They can, they can afford a couple things. Yeah, they can, they're going to be able to... Uh, they're going to be able to... Do, yeah, yeah. MoMA's account be like, yo, just flip to Picasso. <laughs> That's such a funny tweet. It's crazy when you think about it, though. Like, this one Picasso going to fetch 20 million dollars francis bacon's trip to this art out there that's worth so much money and then like conversations like this make you put in retrospect like the size of the market that is traditional art which is massive I'm, i can quickly search it to get the exact amounts and then you look about at the size of, a year. how much it's about 100 billion a year 100 billion dollars a year and then you have the size of the crypto art market which is not a lot and uh and i saw a tweet from it was John, right? Funko founder Super Red, that was like, one day digital art is gonna be a hundred billion in your business. And and it's cool to to see that there are people that are pioneering this and pushing that that narrative forward. I see Mando your tweet. Funny enough, if the MoMA had entered the 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 space last year, you remember the art block and the generative art and the one of one run? It might it, it was mostly based on institutions are coming, they're gonna buy JPEGs. Uh, these are historical. These will end up at the MoMA. Now it's actually going to end up at the MoMA. Like, it's actually crazy when you think about it. So this meme of yours <laughs> was last it, year's whole narrative. Point, 
I feel like <laughs> I still think be. we're now really going to work out what's culturally significant um, when we work out what the MoMA buys. Oh, you kill me, bro. You literally kill me. But you know what? Like, I see Balon answer on it. He's a good friend of mine. The, the, um, wow, why do I have the Meridian? But my Delorier and then the Fidenza that he has is crazy. But, you know, it's, it's dude, like, I just think it's cool. Like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, there's a, there's a, every time I pass in front of, like, a gallery, this art gallery that has an NFT, it's just, like, I stop and stare. Like, it makes me really happy. Like, I remember one day in London, you guys probably know the gallery. I forgot the name. It's in Mayfair. And I was walking down there last Feb and, like, I stop and it's this gallery and there's a fucking Fidenza like out of the window. And I'm like, what? It's like huge. And I get in. I was just looking at the art and was, they had like, actually it's funny. There was an ape at some point on the loop. Uh, they were selling it. They had their own little marketplace. But it's just, I find it super cool. Forgot the name, but uh, definitely. So MoMA. MoMA is going to do it. So that was, um, that's pretty exciting. So you guys think Fidenza and I think, Robbie I think Barrett. The, the, the interesting question here is also, what does this cause? Like the fact that MoMA is going into this will cause a lot of other very significant galleries and maybe museums to also consider it. Like if MoMA is, is considered, you know, a real benchmark in the traditional art world um, and someone to follow, then I think this will, this will um, bring I mean, legitimacy to the whole art, space. Right? It will bring like... legitimacy, legitimacy from collectors and from, uh, from a, a the second order impacts of this are massive, basically, maybe even bigger than than MoMA buying or, or like just creating a platform or whatever. It's it's really interesting. It's true, and even in the space you see that like, when some people buy art, you're like, oh, okay, you see a lot of people following their footstep and like the one of our collecting niche. Like you see a lot of people kind of like copy trade certain collectors. Like wow, like you know they know what they're doing, talking about. They're assuming so, but like then like the MoMA is just that, but on crack, like <laughs> it's on steroids. It's times like, you know thousands. Like when you see the MoMA collecting certain pieces and whatnot, making the move. It's, I mean, look, like, it's cool. Like, on some end, one end, you have Gizmodo the other day who called NFT dumbass, said dumbass NFTs after saying Starbucks is going to it. And then on the other end, you have Wall Street Journal reporting that the MoMA is selling fucking $20 million Picasso to buy, like, digital art. Like, it's just, like, it's, it's. I think, I think, I think it was good to see. Like, I, we see so Isn't much. Isn't that great, though? It like feels how amazing. they are as well, how different they are. Like, the fact that they're getting annoyed about NFTs, and we say this all the time, like, they're so different, those two things. Like, the MoMA buying so NFTs and Starbucks doing a loyalty program based on NFTs. Like, it's increasingly, it'll just, it'll just be about the tech. Dude, it's so amazing. Like, it's it's so, like, this is crazy. Like, I, I had to slip it in today because I saw your tweet this morning and I looked into it and I, I, Keith also sent me the article last night. Like, I think this is fucking crazy. Like, it's really, really cool to see how, how far we're going. Like, and within a week, like, you have the Starbucks thing in that. Like, now it's funny that Gizmodo, a, a, a tech-driven, you know, media company, uh, you know, that so-called reports on technology thinks NFTs are for dumbasses. And then on the other hand, you have Wall Street Journal. That's really all the shit. That it will report uh, about the MoMA in a positive light when it comes to the NFT. So it's uh, it's quite intriguing and interesting. Uh, Sobi, good morning. GM. Us up. <laughs> good, good morning. Hello? Hello? Can you hear us? Oh, yeah. What the fuck? Dude, this is so wild. Why did they just <laughs> let me join unmuted? <laughs> What's up, Sobi? Dude, How you that doing? is the worst rug. Why would it do that? I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't. I didn't mean to come in here swearing, bro. I was confused. I kept kind of joining, unjoined. <laughs> well, it's okay. It kind of. It's kind of fits the brand. So be GM. GM King, how are we? We're good, man. We were just talking about. Almost buying you know, our the bags. Merge. 
Yeah, we well, we were just talking about merch for like a proper half hour. Then we swapped to MoMA buying our bags for a good fifteen minutes. You know, we're about to you go on about Duquan going to prison. Um, we have you know marketplace enforcing royalties to talk about this. You know, just another day in the NFT space. Just plenty, uh, plenty of great conversation to be had and 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 uh, and things to talk about. Dude, merge this, merge that. How about you merge yourself outside and go touch some fucking grass. <laughs> That's funny. Did you read that off a mutant ape shit poster post or something? No, I just came up with that right now. I wish I had a mutant ape. Clones never gonna flip <laughs> mutant apes, bro. All this shit's going to zero. It's over for me. <laughs> so, actually, I- I'm happy to see Todd uh, Levin uh, requesting to speak uh, to come up here. Uh, Todd, because you you would know much more than us when it comes to the fine art and and to MoMA and to all these things. I uh, took him up on stage. Todd, how are you doing? Hey guys, man, I'm in the car, so I hope that there's decent connectivity. I, I just uh, got like a shout out that somebody wanted me to come up and just, I don't know, just give you guys two cents on something. Yeah, I mean, Todd, you know, I don't know if you heard we were talking about the MoMA that is going to be, um, you know, uh, selling $70 million worth of art to extend their museum's digital reach. And so maybe if you want to give a quick intro, like background on yourself for the people who may not be familiar with your work, uh, uh, you know, previous and, and, and now, and maybe explain us, like, what, uh, like, what do you think about this news? Um, okay, well, quickly, um, I'm an art advisor. I've been an uh, art advisor for about 40 years. I basically do for high net worth private individuals what curators do for museums, which is to say that I am responsible for accessing and curating, you know, large, co- you know, museum scale and museum quality collections, except that I do it for you know, high net worth private individuals instead of like public institutions, the way a curator in such an institution would do that. So that's what I do. And in terms of the question you're putting forth, uh, uh, about which particularly? So the MoMA, uh, the MoMA is, uh, is, is selling art to buy some digital art. Yeah, well, <clears throat> look, institutions sell all the time. It, 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 it's an ongoing process because realistically, most major institutions, certainly one like MoMA, can only exhibit at any given time. And I'm, I'm not underestimating this roughly 1% of their holdings, if they're lucky. That's how much that most institutions have in storage, you know, thinking that some of these institutions go back decades or, you know, over a century, like in the case of the Met, in relation to the amount of, you know, literal wall and floor space they have to install the stuff and still have it look well. So <clears throat> at a certain point, you know, you're paying storage for all that work on and in many cases offsite. You are paying for the co- ongoing conservation of those works, which are, you know, over time consistently deteriorating and, and that requires care. Uh, so it is, and, and over time, many institutions start to be um, purchased and or gifted through their trustees and supporters. They have multiples of works by certain artists. And of course, some are probably of a much more higher and desirable quality and rareness and others are good at the time they got them. But now in relationship, looking back and being able to see everything they have, you know, clearly some are better and some are maybe really terrific but not quite as good so what museums tend to do when they have multiples of things they think about you know they have like uh eight rothkos they may not need eight rothkos they may be happy having five rothkos so they decide that they can sell the three off that are the least for their specific collection and context desirable 
And then they are required. There are, it's not legal laws, but every museum, at least in the United States, is under the onus of a thing called the AMA Association of Museums and uh, AAM, excuse me, Association of American Museums. And so when museums sell work, they can only use that money for one thing and one thing only, and that's to buy more work. They can't use it for salaries. They can't use it to like, like expand or improve the plant, you know, the heating, the, you know, the plumbing and the, 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 you know, the floor plan of the museum. They can't use it to hire new people. They can't use it to pay off like uh, debt or um, if there's lawsuits or something like that. They can only use the money raised from the sale of art to buy more art. That's it. <clears throat> John, that's amazing. I, 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 quick question yeah. for you, man. This is amazing. You, you have incredible knowledge. I'm in the car. This is fungibles. Uh, so they, they can't, they they don't have like a, a for-profit art sale business. Absolutely it's, not. It's a non-profit. Uh, absolutely. Uh, profits are not allowed to, museums are not allowed to be for-profit. If they are for-profit, they are not considered a museum and are not part of the, and cannot be part of the AAM or any other network internationally of, of museums, period, end of story. That's it. There you have it. That that is a great answer. So so they'll they'll only be using this to buy art. That's then. all they Correct. can. If and, and there have been cases recently, like you know during the you know COVID pandemic or like during the the quote crash of the like say recently of, of the so called Great Depression, which is the AIG Lehman crisis in 0809, where a lot of museums you know you know who were maybe over leveraged hadn't been careful with their endowments, and, and these would have been smaller institutions like the MoMAs don't get affected, the Mets don't get affected, but this would have been like a small museum like in the Northeast suddenly found themselves with like not enough money to like meet the salary role and like take care of the building this that and the other and a couple of them tried to sell off work and take that money and use it for other things than purchasing art they got kicked out of the AAM immediately like like wow. they are it's a very rigid thing if you're going to sell art and by the way, it's not only I should just so you guys know, because I, I, I know it's like, you know, not something you all know about. But like when you sell the art, if you are a museum, you must sell it. You cannot like sell it like under the table to like one of your trustees, like at a reduced rate to like do them a solid. You must sell your art and it has to be governed legally as, you know, a fair sale value situation, which means fundamentally major auctions, Sotheby's, Christie's, Phillips. You can't sell stuff to like deaccession it to like your own trustees or like people you know or to like another museum you have to put it at auction and whatever it sells for it sells fair for at fair market value and the irs is going to watch that very very carefully so not only what the money is used for but even how the sales take place if museums sell work is like rigidly enforced so that's that's interesting because in the article, right, the the Wall Street yeah, Journal article, yeah. they, that's what they're talking about, right. right? They're saying that there's they're saying that Mr. Paley's collection is like going to Sotheby's right. and whatnot, yep. like the the Picasso is on its right, way right, there, right. and uh, and so so I'm assuming this is to be able to sell the their their um what's the name the their Francis Bacon's pieces and and Picasso's it's going through this very you know rigid process and so my question too is when it comes to acquiring right, right? like let's yep, say let's assume obviously out of 70 million a lot of it's going to go back to acquiring art i'm right. sure what's the process there um well you know how museums access work there's there's a lot of 
different modalities that that can take place, right? I mean, they can go out and buy work and, 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 and they tend to do that, you know, the museums by primary, like say there's some like young artist who's getting a lot of attention, right? Uh, they might go to a gallery and buy a piece. So that would be on the primary market. And of course, galleries and have special relationships with museums where if there's a specific piece from a show that a museum wants, they will get a what's called a museum discount. So if the piece is, you know, X, uh, if I go in as an advisor, I can usually wrangle a discount on behalf of my client having a relationship with the gallery of, let's say, somewhere between 10 and 20 percent. OK, um, depending on the situation. Um, we won't go into all the variables because it's boring, but a museum can easily walk in and, you know, get a discount of like 30% on something. If it's important enough to the artist and the gallery that they feel that the placement in that museum is going to bring them uh, certain kind of benefits like, you know, exhibition potential, uh, heightened awareness from other collectors who might see that work. Um, other museum interests from other museums who might be interested in buying that work, so on and so forth. So primary would be one way. Very rarely do museums buy things on the secondary market, like say at auction. It's very rare unless there's like a specific like once in a lifetime that like so rare you can't believe it, you know, that's coming up and the museum like can't afford it. They might go to their trustees and say, look, you know, we would really like to get this piece into the museum. We don't have the money in our endowment to like buy it. You know, is this something that we think is a team we can do that we're willing to take a crack at? So it's very rare, but it happens from time to time. And you know what's cool, Todd, is like, I find it so cool that they're going to be buying like digital art, therefore probably NFTs like on chain. Yep. I, I just like, it's, it's so, so I'm assuming, well, do you think they have to go through also like the, I guess like through the super, like they're going to want to go through the official or mm. like, like it's like our Sotheby's is like super rare, right? Like it's like our like foundation, like those are like our platform. Yeah, it's kind right? of a platform in a weird way. I mean, they don't mint their own stuff, yeah. but they represent no, of like a shit ton of like artists at any given time. Correct. Yeah, that's true. That that's reasonable. It's gonna be interesting. What do you what do you? I well, mean, I've, I've, you know, in I've, terms I've, of the NFT to... or digital work, you have to remember that most of the major museums. Okay, and again, I'm not talking like your small regional or local museum, but like <clears throat> a national museum could be LACMA in LA, could be Chicago Art Institute in you know Chicago, could be MoMA in New York, it could be the High Museum in Atlanta, which is a great thing, could be the Seattle Art. I mean, there's a lot of wonderful museums, except you know, in in addition to like New York, Chicago, and LA, that are major national and international players on a significant field. Um, the United States particularly has a lot to be proud of in terms of its like museum system. It's fucking amazing. Um, and so um, those major museums have all had, I can tell you, for a long time, you know, like you have a department of painting, right? You have a department of works on paper, department of photography, department of three-dimensional sculptural work, right? They've had for a long time departments of digital work. This is not like a new paradigm for museums. You have to remember that, you know, uh, the history that all you guys in this room are, are participating in the, you know, this sort of whatever you call it, uh, NFT work, uh, uh, digital work. I don't even know what the right term is. Right. There's two histories that feed into your history. One is sort of like just the anarchic history of crypto. That's coming from like roughly the 80s. OK, but that's about the the coin and not the art. And then there's you have your own history of digital art that goes all the way back to 1952, 53, 54, with the first Ocelon photographs of Herbert Frank. 
Museums are all about history. They've had departments of digital art for a long time. They've collected Herbert Frank. They've collected Vera Molnar, who's going to, who's 99 years old this year. And is like one of the first, you know, and most important godmothers in your space uh, as an artist. They collect Manfred Moore. They collect Casey Reyes. They collect like the first AI art, you know, that's still, and it's still being made by Harold Cohen, um, uh, and his Aaron program uh, in uh, 1973, 74. So like there's already an established departments for the history of your art form. And so NFTs aren't like in a weird way or, or this kind of digital art with a token attached isn't like a new paradigm that like, you know, landed like Martians out of nowhere on earth, unseen, ununderstood, unknown from before. This is part of the ongoing cumulative additive art history of the per, you know particular branch of all art history which in this case is that of digital ai generative computer all that stuff you know art history so of course they want to add you know some you know what a museum would want to add nfts to their ongoing cumulative department it just makes sense it's like what they do wow this is so interesting mando ovi I didn't know we were in for for uh, for art class. Sorry, today. I'm sorry if that sounds too um, much like you know. Yeah, no, I, like no, don't be sorry at all. Amazing, bro. It's no, we're amazing. Like, my God, this is so interesting. I'm so glad you brought him up, bro. Dude, thank you, Rebecca Rose, for tagging Todd. And I've shared a lot of clubhouse rooms with Todd. And you know, Mando, the good old clubhouse days and search music, <laughs> and then also a couple of spaces on here. But you know, Todd is always you know. Actually, I met Todd on a. The Christie sale of crypto yep. punks, that yep. big one. I hosted a clubhouse room for it, I and then that. we, I, I needed some, yeah, and I needed, I needed a, um, a, a voice from the, the physical art world, the, the traditional art world, and and Todd was it. Todd was their resident clubhouse expert, and not just clubhouse expert, he's quite the expert. You should definitely look into Todd if you're interested in art, uh, because someone knows a lot uh, about it. So fascinating, man. I don't know if you had any more questions before I move forward and move on and whatnot, but now that we have Todd, you may as well. No, no, yeah, I'll step down so <laughs> no, there's more super, for other speakers. Super clear. No I think it's just super clear now what they're probably going to be doing. Like, uh, it sounds like they won't be building a platform. It sounds like they'll just be uh, buying art. It sounds like a lot of that might be primary, given a lot of these are living artists as well. They don't necessarily have to really go after the secondary market. It's kind of strange to have this elevated a secondary market for living artists. So maybe maybe that changes this time, but um, they could easily also discard the primary. Um, have we seen any other like big museums make this sort of move, like, um, or is this the first big modern modern art museum? How big is ICA considered? Because I know ICA Miami is doing some 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 stuff regarding NFTs. Uh, we saw them with uh, with uh, with Nina Chanel. They, there was an announcement. I know Corey Van Loo also has a piece, I believe, at the ICA Museum. He's done some stuff with them. Uh, he he painted live at the ICA Museum for a private event for their private collectors, actually. Uh, shout out to Corey, because that was really, really cool. So we've seen some stuff. I don't know, Todd, if you've seen any major museums also enter Well, space. Alex Gartenfield, who runs the ICA Miami, who's a very, very adept and sharp young curator, would be all over this kind of thing. Because, number one, he is younger. It's more like, you know, of his time, so to speak. And, and that would make a lot of sense to me. I haven't spoken to him in a while. But next time I do, I'll chat with him about it just to kind of catch up. Um but yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, as I said, like, I think a lot of museums are have been quietly, I would say, investigating. They're in an investigatory kind of situation because you have to remember museums are not situations where they have to like 
there's not the FOMO sensibility that there is like with collectors, like there would be in this space for a lot of NFT drops, you know, like MoMA wasn't sitting in and like waiting for their Utes tube to come through kind of thing. Right. They're, they're a lot like the, um, kind of like the, um, I don't know, like the Vatican, right. They're like 50 to a hundred years behind the time and they can afford to be that way because what will happen is like right now they have a certain group of people who are the, on their boards, right? Their trustees and their committees for contemporary art and all this stuff, right? But, you know, this is cyclical, a uh, cyclical. After a while, you know, those people will age out, new people come on. That's, you know, the way of things, circle of life. Now, 20, 30 years from now, right? There'll be a whole new group of people who will be MoMA trustees, uh, MoMA committee members. And a lot of them might be well, gee whiz, people like you who have, you know, made a lot of money or interested p perhaps in philanthropy, like supporting their local hometown, like, you know, team, so to speak, museum. And a lot of like right now, there's very few people on those museum boards and committees who probably even know what a fucking wallet is, to, to be quite honest. But in 20 or 30 years, if this thing has legs and the truth is we don't know, honestly and truly, but if it does. There will be many people probably who will have wallets and been collecting this stuff and they will be the kind of philanthropists who will be like the museum like needs a BAYC, you know, they need a crypto punk, they need a, you know, moonbird, whatever it is, fill in the blank. And somebody will say like, yeah, like I have like 17 moonbirds, I will donate one of them to the museum. Like, you know, like I have 17 works by Basquiat, I will donate one yeah. of them to the museum. I'll donate a red right. guy. I'll that's how this guy. is going to happen. That's that. how this. That's why the museums don't have the FOMO because they know they're eventually down the line going to have people on their committees and on their boards who are going to help them, so to speak, fill the holes Absolutely. or fill the gaps. Hold on, hold on. So they're I not mean, buying I mean, our bags. They're not buying our bags, but donating them to them. No, we're going to donate them. our bags, man. Oh though, my because God. Today we learned. have the most Yetis of any major <laughs> museum ever. You know, this is going to be like the OSF wedding wallet. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Fungible, like the other fungible. He tweeted today. I learned that he has something in common with museums is that he he never sells his art. <laughs> well, <laughs> museums do sell their love art, that. so he's wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> well, not for profit. Not for profit. Exactly. That's true. That's true. Yeah, not for That's profit. True. And so, and so it's yeah. It's this one is ICA Miami celebrates new NFT platform with artist Corey Van, which is pretty cool. And I know I've seen a lot of interest. Like, I, you know, I think G Money has so many chromy squiggles that at some point he's going to help put them out there in a bunch of different. Actually, squiggle. That's quite the contender to end up in, in the big museums, if you ask yeah, me. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting uh, things right now is because the IRS still hasn't, I mean, this is just a side, uh, you know, sort of, um, it's kind of like a side, uh, you know, kind of thing that I've noticed, which is right now, still right, as you're all aware in the room, uh, the IRS is still a little bit questionable. I'm on like, is this shit securitized? Is it not securitized? Is it donatable? If it is, can you take the write off? If you take the write off, does that then somehow mean that it has a physicality? You know, like there's, there's a lot of questions still, which is fine to like the whole concept of even donating this specific type of digital work on blockchain. I don't mean like a historic digital work that's different, but this kind of work. So that is also going to have to like be brought up to speed and figured out, which it will be, you know, because there's going to be increasing governmental incursion into this space. I just think it's, you know, it's just what it's going to be. Uh, and that's going to be one of the components that are going to have to figure it out. Because if you bought your BAYC at, you know, or whatever it is, fill in the blank at like whatever, two ETH or one ETH or whatever it was. And suddenly like the thing is worth like, you know, 500 ETH and you donate it. Well, you're damn right. You're going to want your 499 ETH write-off. 
you know, kind of thing. And you just, oh, I see. you know, you deserve your 499 ETH tax write off. <laughs> and, you know, right now, I don't know that there's actually a functioning methodology for that in terms of the IRS code. Interesting. So that's just like a side thing that, uh, you know, uh, for what it's worth. Well, I'm sure the IRS is listening. Uh, oh, right? yeah. And so if you're in all these rooms, you know, in case of an investigation by any federal entity, yeah. I have nothing to do with this group of people. Uh, I don't know how I ended up here. Yeah. <laughs> they probably have like a fake, a, a fake and profile I live in the that with like I'm... a Moonbird, with a Moonbird picture, you know, kind of thing. And it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. So. Don't worry, guys. I'm, 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 I'm the mole. I'm cracking. I'm the guy working for the IRS. That's so all good. I won't. You guys are nobody. killing me, Todd. I have one more question okay. for you. I'm sorry, it takes no, no, so no, much no. Your time. Because okay. I know you, 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 you're obviously quite in tune. With the space, because I heard you slide through that tubes and Utes uh, uh, analogy there. Uh, so <laughs> I caught that, 5511. I saw you catch that yeah. too. Uh, and so if uh, if there was, in your opinion, like the MoMA, you're the right. MoMA. You've, I'm sure you've dealt with them. You've dealt with a ton of museums yep. uh, to buy art for them and with them. What do you buy? You're, you're the MoMA. You have $70 million now for NFTs. Do well, I don't have? know that they're spending all seventy million on NFTs. I think that they will. Let's say they're spending like seven million. Well, I mean, if you're <laughs> MoMA in general, right? You're you're looking at this again from the let through the lens, right, of historicity. So you're going to want to number one shore up your entire collection of digital work, which may mean some of the historic stuff that I named, which I won't go through again. Which, by the way, is like crazy cheap. Like, I just bought some early 1952 Asalon photographs. These are unique works by Herbert Frank. And these were happened to be rare. Most are black and white. These were actually color. And they were like, you know, the equivalent cost of like five ETH, which to me is like nuts, to be quite honest. Um, so they're going to probably take a small amount of that money and shore up the historical component, you know, make sure, you know, that they have a great representation across the board of all sorts of work, AI, generative, computer, uh, you know, all, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then with, you know, the, the, the digital work, I mean, they're going to be trying to like kind of play the roulette of history and figure out like, and they're not, they, they don't need to buy a, a, a massive quantity. They just want to buy what they feel is the best and which will be most representative historically down the line. Now, whatever that means to you, you know, you can, you know, make to fill yeah. your own dance card, you know, and, and I can fill my own dance card. And I'm sure some of those things will match. I'm sure some of those things will be radically different. But that's how Moment's going to be thinking about it at the very least, I think. You know, actually, a Gizmodo article just came out an hour ago as we were on the stage. The Museum of Modern Art is selling a Picasso painting to help fund potential push into NFTs. And I just scrolled out to the bottom. This is news. And they mm -hmm. said that um, they reached out to a spokesperson uh, at the MoMA to ask about what they were they will be uh, buying. And here's what mm -hmm. they said. They said they're, they're fetching they're trying to fetch seven to 100 million. But they said um, the new endowment will be used to fund digital initiatives as well as new acquisitions to MoMA's collection. Yeah. The endowment is flexible and open ended and no concrete plans have been made yet. Yeah. So so, so that's so, what I'm saying. They're looking at this as like an entire ecology of a type of art, you know, they're not like yep. buying NFTs, right? So, so, so that's my point. And by, you know, digital art, that could mean stuff that's just completely has nothing to do with blockchain whatsoever, but it's digital in format. So, um, 
All right, Todd, this is where I have to yeah. stop you. You can't be saying yeah, that. Yeah, we're going to have to shut the mic. No, Todd, this this is where we cut the mic. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. So. No, you, you're totally fine to keep going. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, no, okay. <laughs> I mean, sorry, sorry. <laughs> My bad. It's true. People have talked about generative art that's been around for a long, long yeah. time as well. Right? Um... I mean, Xcopy used to post his work on Tumblr in 2012. Like, if you look into the history of Xcopy, like, that was his, like, poster board it was tumblr that's what you should go check it out so i think a lot of these digital artists like have been you know uploading digital art across platforms and channels for years and years and years just not yeah but know, i mean digital art i'm like talking i'm talking like 1980s 1970s 1960s yeah. i mean i'm talking like really early digital like the history of digital art you know so um i thought 2017 was <laughs> Exactly. You're right. I should shut up and, and I keep forgetting. Yeah. Okay. If you, if you look at the latest pin, uh, we did this last year at Basel. It looks not, it doesn't look bad, huh? It's kind of funny to have these insanely stupid looking ether rocks behind glass with armed security guards, but I could see it at MoMA. It'd be ridiculous. No, 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 so, Bungie, that, no. The, can I ether rock is not going to end up. Where, where do you where uh, do you look and... for the history of digital art <laughs> outside of NFTs? Like, where are you buying these, these photographs? Oh well, there are gallerists and 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 dealers who specialize in this kind of work. in, in New York City, for instance, a wonderful really? gallery called, called Bitforms. I don't know if you guys know Bitforms, but they've been around forever. You know, they represent Manfred Moore, who, along with Vera Molnar, Manfred's eighty eight years old, still making amazing art. But he's one of the, he's like the godfather. If Vera's like the godmother of like the entire digital AI generative computer space. Uh, and these people were like making art in the 1960s and like some of that early work if you're lucky is still available and I said at prices that I, I mean I understand it's real money I mean we're talking say a great work might be 20,000 bucks but relative I'm saying to what some of the very young untested stuff brings today in the digital space you know um, I happen to feel like that's a bargain in relative terms even though it is still a lot of money Oh, we we spent twenty thousand dollars on the stupidest things in the world. You can yeah. I just don't want to this sound. I don't want to sound I mean, all like uh, you know. No, I can uh, say uppity. it. I'll I'm say just it trying for you, to be balanced. You're politically correct. But, but, yeah, yeah, but like, like, yeah. like, hey, Todd, have you? What Todd, he means you? is like all this trash we've bought. I didn't like those fucking PFPs say that. percent. Wow. We we could have bought some historical like like literally the first ever fucking generative art by the Godfather <laughs> of generative art. But instead, so, so should we afford you? So I, I, well, I do not been, give uh, I do not really give free advisory advice. I do not do that. I, I, <laughs> can you reply? Can you repeat the name, please, of the per I'm actually curious as hell. That's right, Todd. Get the fucking bag, bro. Don't give for open. No, no. I'm the kind of guy who takes the R out of free. That's me. So. Oh, oh, I've never heard that yeah, one before. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I also take the I, R oh, out of prey. I, lot. I also take the R out of prey as well. Oh, <laughs> you don't like R's, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He <laughs> hey, Todd, Todd, speaking of uh, early digital art, I was in Cleveland at the Rock and Roll Hall oh, of sure. Fame, and it yeah, has yeah. Jerry Garcia's early art. Have you oh, seen that? Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That must this be is... some of the early. I think that was one of the first technical NFTs, I guess, if you want to call it. In a weird way, I guess you could make that argument, actually. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody should check yeah. it out. 
this is really, really, really interesting. But anyways, there, there I'm are already a looking at the galleries and dealers around the world. Bitform's in New York. There's a wonderful private dealer in Switzerland who basically only deals with, um, you know, uh, digital wow. work. A young woman who's very, very, I think, rather brilliant and has a great eye. So, you know, there are people around the world, galleries and such, who are just, you know, deal with this sort of stuff. So, sure, you know, it, it, it is gettable. It is out there. It's not like a hidden thing. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. I, my God, I didn't know this is what was going to end up today, but I'm so happy. This show is actually one of the most interesting ones ever. I've learned so much. I'm going to nerd out on the merge and on historical uh, uh, generative art uh, after this show. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, wow, man, this is fascinating. Todd, thank you so much. Yeah, 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 no problem. I just got that that hit from Rebecca, so I just wanted to, you know, roll up. I hope that all helps. She's awesome. Yeah, I hope that helped. No, we love Rebecca. Thank you, Rebecca, for tagging uh, Todd here because that we got a we got a we got a lesson actually for free. <laughs> exactly. But, <laughs> next, right, next time, if you guys want to work with Todd, remove the R. There's a fee. But anyways, right. Todd, thank you so much for coming up. That was that was a okay, lot of guys, fun. I, that was no um, problem. Really I'll step you. down. Let somebody else. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, you totally hang out with us. No problem with that. Ovi, Mando. Wow. I mean, Ovi, you must be like, you must be like loving this as an artist. Like, shit, you might be loving this combo. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's great to, it's, we've had a lot of focus return to crypto art, I think in the last two or th- two or three months. And it's nice to get this headline and, and get even more focus on it as well. Like, you know, with all those like rug pulls and PFP frenzies and that kind of stuff, like having died down, it's really uh really nice to see focus on crypto art here i think very cool this was cool you know it, i gotta say if one an nft that i think would end up in a place like that is nakamoto i'm telling y'all it's gonna happen at some point um <laughs> just by the way you think that was good i think it'd be interesting to see if these these guys uh take rare pepes and stuff obviously like the history of them has been um, a little bit tainted and not definitely not to um, not to the fault of Matt Fury or, or anyone else. So um, I'm curious to see how like some of the traditional establishments treat them because, um, you know, they had their place in history. There's obviously a lot of um, cultural significance behind them, but the media or traditional media has obviously pitched, painted them in a bad light. So um, I'm curious to see if any of the traditional big galleries will, uh, will onboard them. I'm curious. I'm curious to see now if they're going to get NFT. Todd has me like scared right now. I'm curious to see if they're going to get NFTs now or if they're going to call Todd and be like, yo, hook us up with the finest original uh, computer art. Uh, <laughs> so, no, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be an NFT move and it's going to be very interesting to see uh, and exciting. That was, that was solid. Um <laughs> My God, I, 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 it's it's hard to it's hard to follow up on that. But I just uh, I just saw also Mando tweet this morning that Duquan, Duquan, this is a sharp uh, a sharp uh, transition here. Duquan, uh, there's South Korea issues an arrest warrant for crypto firm founder Duquan as it probes alleged illegal activity behind collapsed stablecoin Terra USD. Wow, talk about news today. We've been waiting for this for a while. Good, bad. I think a lot of people would agree that this is a great thing. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, it's great. I think a lot of people have been questioning it for a long time, right? Like, it was weird. How, is he, how, has, he not been, how has he not been arrested? 
um, when you even had like what was it the other day? Like the, the developer who made Tornado got like is still in jail, right? Um, and yet uh, that person just created some 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 like anon code for anonymity, and and Doquan um, saw saw an empire of forty billion collapse, and the the stuff that's come out afterwards about how it was being run also like puts a lot of a lot of pressure on so i think um i think it's 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 good weirdly for crypto that um you see this level of um this level of um punishment i guess yeah it's it's about time sobi you either celebrating or what <laughs> i mean dude honestly the doquan shit is actually just so depressing i don't even i can't even dunk on it like there's there's a dude that drove, put his, him and his family, like, he drove his car into, like, a lake and, like, drowned everyone in there. And he was, a like, Korean. All that shit is just, like, super depressing to me. So, it is what it is, but we'll see if you actually, if anything actually happens. You know, like, a lot of times, legal systems can be subverted if you have enough money. So, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you know, he is definitely a piece of shit. So, um, it's going to be a... It's gonna be an interesting story to follow here. It's just good to know that there is some sort of justice at some point. So we'll see how um, we'll see how that evolves. Um, that evolves over time. I think I think he's come out. Obviously, he said like he didn't. He, this wasn't his plan. Like he thought this was all gonna go correct. Like I think he even. I think he's, like his daughter is called Luna, right? I mean, did so, you like, watch the, he, the coinage? I like, watched some of it. I watched clips of it, but like yeah. he clearly. He he's trying to paint himself as somebody who was collateral damage in what has happened, essentially. Um, and I think that's a very difficult, that's going to be a very difficult thing to argue, I think, as this case continues, because there's been talk about how much money he was taking from the Treasury and um, clearly some like nefarious practices, to, particularly towards the end of, um, of Luna. So I think, I think it's going to be pretty difficult for him to, um, to escape here. Yeah. Definitely, it's uh definitely um definitely a pretty crazy story, and uh, it's uh, the 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 thing I'm mentioning by the way, if everyone wants to listen, it's called Coinage. You had to like meant to like actually, I love the idea of that when it comes to media and, and tech and NFTs. But you have to basically mint this free NFT, and you had access to, like the first episode of like uh, Coinage thing, whatever. It's like I don't know if FTX involved and whatnot, but they had an interview with Doquan. Uh, I watched the whole thing. It was uh. It was weird watching it and like him speak about how sure he was. Like literally, dude, Mando, like what you're saying is so true. Like he was convinced, like convinced the thing was gonna work. Like literally, he was just he almost like sells it back to you during the like you almost have to mid interview like pause and remind yourself who he is. Like you have to remind yourself like yo, actually this guy's a piece of shit. Um, you know, <laughs> like because he's like selling it so good again. I don't know, it was like very sensational. And all that good stuff, but uh, but it's it's pretty wild. Um, yeah, I know I know what you mean on there, bro. He he, he made himself look somewhat they, innocent, right? or they like, made him. Like, I don't know what like, the fuck. Like I was dude. Like what? Like, oh man, yeah, he was he he was very responsible. And, and even if it started out that way, like he let shit get to his head, a lot of people can't take a lot of money and fame quickly. Uh, they it just gets to them. They start making really shitty decisions, even if he was a good dude. But yeah, no, he needs to be arrested. He needs to have some accountability. I mean, or else we kind of all look a little stupid 
if the if the one person who lost so many people so much money can just go roaming around uh, you know all those narratives that keep being used against us like the whole crypto you know space and then if these space whatever more crypto here but it's just a bad look you know and I, I so, would like to um can I I'd like to publicly apologize to Mel, or uh, I should say say thank you to Mel because I didn't yet but she called me or she messaged me the day that UST was collapsing and she had some information um, that wasn't public yet about what Binance was going to do. And I ended up not losing 150 grand as a result. So, Oh, so we're insider trading. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what the fuck is this guy saying? (laughs) No, no, no. It's it it was, it wasn't. Thanks Mel. It just wasn't, it it didn't get out yet. She knew it. This like uncle Fungi, this is the morning show, not the night show. Oh yeah, I forgot. Is this? Are is you Alex still up, up or what? No. <laughs> <laughs> a, are we going to have to make the the, uh, the federal announcement again? He was, oh he yeah, was show. he was just joking. Holy he was shit! Joking. I think I need to make it ASAP. Hold on, let me find it. In case of an investigation by any federal any federal entity or similar, I do not have any involvement with this group or with the people in it. I do not know how I am here. Probably added by a third party. I do not support any actions by any members of this group. You need that as like a computer voice. Just, you just press a button and play it. Well, we actually, G, um, um, we need to have uh, our boy J6 who makes GM Jams, the LOL, uh, GM Jams. I'll check it out. That's where we have all our tunes. Uh, that, yeah, they're all there. Uh, and uh, and uh, we're going to we're gonna have him do it like on a computer. I'm going to send it to him by text. <laughs> you have like a Siri type voice reading it, uh, you know. I think it's important uh, <laughs> here and there. There was another topic I wanted to get to, but honestly, with seven minutes left, I don't know if I'm going to be able to um, to get to it. Uh, and so it was mostly regarding credit royalties and, and marketplaces, uh, kind of, you know, um, um, kind of trying to enforce marketplaces like Magic Eden trying to enforce uh, the royalties on, on, on traders and whatnot. And so I saw that that sparked up a lot of conversation um, again um, regarding the whole topic. It seems like it's really becoming, you know, main topic conversation around NFT Twitter uh, on both chains, uh, you know, Solana and, and Ethereum. Um, and, you know, so I wanted to talk about that, but I don't know. Actually, we could probably make time for it. Uh, hear your thoughts. I mean, here it's uh, basically Magic Eden introduced... MetaShield, which is, um, you know, a tool that creators are going to be able to use, turn on and whatnot in order to protect, uh, you know, their NFTs from being trading OTC on marketplaces that have no, um, that have no royalties. Uh, meaning if you sell, let's say you have a rug radio NFT, red guy, whatever it is, and you trade on OpenSea, there's a percentage, you know, royalty that goes back to the, to the founders, the DAOs and whatever, however people are set up, right? The companies. And so, you know, you would be able to kind of like break the NFT. Like it's almost reminds me of like this like report for suspicious activity thing that's been causing a lot of issues for OpenSea people and traders and whatnot in the market in general. But obviously it's not the same thing, but it reminds me a lot of that. It's like basically the NFT can be blurred and whatnot. It can be marked as like sold without the creator royalty. And, and therefore, you know, this would allow creators and those big projects to like kind of remove utility from like people who own these NFTs. But then that poses the question of like, what happens if I mistakenly buy a bricked NFT like that? Or what happens? I don't know. It causes a lot of stuff, especially what happens with like in terms of like, well, this is a, this is a free market. So, you know, though we're all kind of, we're pretty much pro royalties on here with the conversation a lot, we had it with people and whatnot. 
And we obviously all have, you know, we're founders. And so we all have projects where royalties are important in order to, to be, to have revenue stream. Uh, but at the same time, I kind of find it weird when not a creator, but a marketplace, uh, you know, gets in the middle of this. I don't know, Mando, uh, Ovi, or anyone, you know, have some thoughts on this. I hadn't really looked into it that much, but I, st I still prefer the whole concept that the project will just whitelist the marketplaces which do allow royalties. Um, and that was maybe a better way of doing it. Um, I, I agree. This all seems kind of convoluted to f to fix the same problem. But if you if you just made sure that you only put the marketplaces that were were uh, allowing royalties for your collection on some form some form of allow list, I think that would be maybe a cleaner way of doing it than hurting people at the collector level. Yeah, it's um, it should. I think it's mostly on the collector level. It's just I thought it was weird when I whole marketplace decides to think you know get involved in the mix of that and whatnot uh but that was that was that was about it that was one of the news uh that was talked about a lot on the salon side and, and i thought you know we'd bring it up but there's, there's not much there uh besides that and so yeah i mean that's that's also about it when it comes to like daily like topical things guys i, I can't i want to i want to quickly talk about all the erc20 coins that are probably going to start coming oh i saw your tweet i i saw that tweet of yours so to quote mando I read that a couple of times, uh, and I see with the with the sneaky like little tweet under it as well. Mando said, "Expect to see an ERC twenty coin from Proof, Doodles, Azuki, Artifact, all in the next six months." And then he went ahead and he said, "And Red Guy dot dot dot." Mm hmm. Nothing to say that? about that, but the um, ah, yeah, course. just the uh, I do think you're going to see a massive amount of. ERC twenty coins. I don't know. Like, do we think any of those are going to be valuable? Like, I saw six five two nine put out a tweet this morning, just being like, most of these projects do not need an ERC twenty coin. Like, I kind of believe it, that logic, but I do think the artifact coin could be worth quite a lot. Like I mean, a Nike a Nike based coin, I think, could be. Could I be think worth artifact coin would be separate than Nike token. Though I do think that down the line Nike would probably venture into something like that. I think Artifact already, we had like... Dude, they can launch a token and still not going to flip the fucking mutant apes, bro. Please, someone put my fucking bags. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's funny because uh, I think Sobi, like, they've talked about the Drip token before. You're would you you're an Artifact gigabull and also... Bro, I bought 123 pieces of fucking merch. I literally have to go get a storage unit. Tell us more about the Drip token. What, what would it be? I have no idea, dude. I just buy things and I just sit here and I build and I just wait for price to go up. But I, I think what I did find was pretty funny was like, not funny, but what I find is interesting is like, sometimes I have to, like, I, I always try to challenge my own biases and I'm just sitting here going like, you're going like, oh wow, it's like the market really going to just let me buy very rare limited Murakami merch for like this cheap when there's comparables like the, the, Murakami hoodies are trading below the J Balvin Murakami hoodie, right? And this is like his first collab with Nike. And so, like, I think I, I think I uh, just kind of an aside. I think I, I think I find quite interesting. Just even from like the conversation we heard from Todd, is that like, if you're really tapped in into these different spaces of culture, whether that's streetwear, art curation, or anything, you have like a lot of asymmetric upside or opportunity um, with this within this industry. And I think. uh I just feel like it, I, I was a guy that got into the space where like started believing just blindly, like binarily, like, oh, like crypto's going to work out because of DeFi. And now I, I think there's a timeline in which NFTs completely just eclipse 
uh, DeFi because of like the financialization of culture to some degree, like you can't financialize it too much, is a, a much larger total addressable market. It's I it's just like for a lot of these, I don't know what the token would be used for. A proof I think will be doing it because they have a whole ecosystem they're building with high rise. Drip would be probably used like they're 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 we did they did talk on our stage artifact about like the walk to earn all the stuff to earn, but I think they would be and I know a lot of the tour and stuff never worked out and the last run showed that a lot of it just went down. But I think that through NFTs and the, what people are not seeing, and I think I, I get to understand it more and more as we're building Rogrido, because we do have our native token, a DAO token, which is governance, and then we have our NFTs. And so as the more we're building it, man, like the more I get to understand like how how it will look in the next couple of years. But it's just more than meets the eye right now. It's like we all these NFT projects, companies, you know, that you named in the in, in, in your tweet, they're building out ecosystems. And so they're trying to have this like currency of exchange within this ecosystem, this like chip, this utility token that could be used for many different things. And and so I think that, you know, for the longest time right now, like it was only just like, oh, this is a token, number goes up, airdrop numbers go down and people buy it up and then they dump it down. And then that's it, they move on to the next one, which I mean, hey, it was a hell of fun at some point. Remember token season? Holy shit, SOS and all that uh, looks, <laughs> it was great. But like- Think of all the- Think of all the amazing shit coins for Oak that'll be launched right after the merge. It'll be like Queen Merge Death. Oh my god, it's gonna be crazy. Be we like, should have a Dex pull day, you and I. Feel like OSF Mempool Mando. Yeah, we should shit. have a Mempool day. Yeah. Oh, go to the Mempool, kids. Here we go, Mempool <laughs> time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um it's it's just like I, I think those that will build large ecosystem will have a token, but it's not gonna be the token as like like the people have been used to seeing them, this like pump and dump token that use is has no utility or use. I think there will be more intricate uses to it, and that we could see the next round, like with the NFT space, certain NFT ecosystems. What? I really question that. I I I don't know. I just wonder why a lot of like I think the reason with Ape, like I just felt like it was that they were trying to build out like the coin mm-hmm. of the metaverse of a world that they are building, similar to like how Sand and but they are. have their own coin. Yeah, but do you think what? If it's not for transactions or like this concept of building some sort of immersive world, why why do you need a coin? I think it is probably going to be transactional for the most part. I mean, oh, that we have a sense. call right now. OSF Amanda, wrap shit up. Yeah, we're about to invest in Sobi, so we got to go now. <laughs> Wait, are you for real? Well, let's see how the call goes first. Well, as an advisor to Expopulous, uh, I I definitely support this motion. We can have the call on here right now if you guys want. So we just can turn to the ex-populist That'd be show. fascinating. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, we're not, do- we're not doing that right now, dude. <laughs> you guys crack me up. One day we'll get ex-populist on the Twitter spaces when you decide to respond to my text messages. Yeah, one Crazy. day you'll one day you'll have your own topic on our space. One day, but you see, first you have to go through my co-host OSF. First, Red Radio has to hit a dollar per token. Dude, so there's go. no Fucking dude. Remove, building, baby. Let's go. You got to remove. You got to remove the R from free and the R from prey. You saw what Todd said, bro. That's I'm kidding. <laughs> <That's bad. laughs> Good callback. <laughs> that was so fucking funny. That was like highlight of the day. Uh, it was great. But anyways, you know what, Mando? I think this is a good topic. I definitely don't want to like wiggle in like the next couple minutes. So let's let's have it. I think we can add it tomorrow after whatever to another topic. Um, and do do projects really need the RC twenties and whatnot and have this whole conversation. It's really interesting. And with that, with that, with that, that wraps it up. That was the last proof of work GM NFTs. 
as the Ethereum merge will be taking place uh, later today, tonight, very late. But it's uh, definitely, we'll see you all tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 